Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Off we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her talented companion, Philip Gilfus. Ah, oh, now why are you talented today? I'm a little worried that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can think of lots of things, maybe not things that are suitable for podcasts, wink, but, but in particular Well, today. we're going to be talking about some talented companions, both new and classic, ah. who, before they were cast, had particular talents that may have made them surprising, quote-unquote, choices for casting. Okay. So, but before we get started on today's topic, we, slash I, made some purchases recently that were Doctor Who related. Now, darling, because this is the beginning of the month, what did we get? We, of course, got the third Mr. Doctor, which is very exciting. Doctor Third, as it's called. Yes, which I thought was interesting because, I mean, I maybe know a little more than you or more... Excuse me? <laughs> I may have more uh, exposure to the third Doctor, but that being said, we have probably have watched about the same amount of the third Doctor, all things told maybe a serial ahead of you before but that's about it so it was interesting i think the the mr men doctor books or doctor mr men books do a good job of encapsulating each doctor because it's hard you know they all have different companions and so many aspects but i think both the first and the second which you know you've gotten both exposure to you would say both captured those two doctors yes yeah and this one covered things like the car bessie bessie Mm -hmm. i was gonna say rosie bessie (laughs) and his adultness occasionally right um with his whole focus in the doctor third book spoiler alert his focus on ice cream and things like that. Mm-hmm. So. And he hit some of the companions, even ones, and again, I'm not an expert on the third doctor, but ones that may not have been concurrent. Yes, yeah. yeah. He ends up with three different people yes. in the car. I, Sergeant Yates, Joe Grant, and then Liz, can't remember her last name. Liz being his first companion, I know off the top of my head, just because I've seen his first serial. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> so, other than we've, the ones we've seen with Sarah Jane, of course. Yeah. Because I think I think those are the three. We'll find out, but I think it is good. It is Liz, Joe, and then Sarah. Right. But we'll see. Oh, it's kind of sad that. Sad, but may, uh, presumably Sarah will appear in Doctor Four. Well, I would think so. I mean, he had a lot of companions because he was one of the longest Doctors. But it is hard to think that Sarah Jane would not make an appearance with Doctor Fourth. I kind of feel like she's one of those. <laughs> you know, in the the Richard Scary books, you had uh-huh. the little worm who yep. appeared every. You know, in each section that you had to find, I sort of feel like that should be Sarah Jane <laughs> in the Doctor books. You know, you just need a little Sarah Jane hiding in the background somewhere <laughs> in every single Doctor book. Mm-hmm. And another purchase I made, I, I did go a little crazy, listeners. Usually, I. I'm a little bit more budget-minded, but I did go crazy. I apologize to my wife and her bank account. But we've got some t-shirts. Yes! And what was that of? And that was from Forbidden Planet from the UK one, of course. Yes, which is very exciting. We got matching Doctor Who shirts with the new Doctor Who logo. Right, and we've talked about the Doctor Who logo, uh, I think, a week ago. Yes. Or so. Yeah. But it was sort of nice to 
I mean, I was sort of anxious to get a mer- some merch on it uh, with the new logo just to say we have. So it was nice to have that. So Yes, yes. And it is sad to say, dear listeners, uh, but you may not be surprised after listening to us as long as you have, that this is not the first matching outfit my husband and I own. <laughs> That's true. In case people have trouble figuring out that we go together. Like Ramalama Ding Dong? <laughs> exactly. And the last purchase, I know, I know, but the last purchase <laughs> I made was to our UK listeners. I almost either want to apologize or to brag about it and shove it in your face. Uh, he's going to do both <clears throat> of those things. Because I know the complaints are, and, and I and I can understand why. Darling, but, tell them what you bought. Well, the complaints is that this is only available in the US, and yes. that is the complete Peter Capaldi years on Blu-ray. Yes, and I got that, and I'm actually, actually very impressed with it. You know, we don't actually we have a Blu-ray player, which we actually don't use that often. So I Correct. thought it was a yeah. good excuse. I mean, given that it was the entire Capaldi run, it wasn't uber expensive. You know, I believe eighty some off the top of my head, and dollars. And I was going to ask dollars <laughs> or pounds. Exactly. The really the packaging is very impressive, and I don't know maybe because I haven't bought a Blu-ray recently or a Blu-ray box set ever. But it's all very accessible. It's, it's almost like a photo album, except it's more horizontal. But you mm-hmm. just pull it out and... It folds out. And, and you just yeah. turn the page to which disc you want. And it lists everything on the sort of carrier there about what's on the episode and bonus material. So there's certainly a lot to it. So I know that it seemed like they did put a lot of effort into it. Yes, yes. Which means as soon as I get to Capaldi, who's not too far away... Um, I, I get to watch it on Blu-ray. Yeah, a little easier than messing around with our yes. other source of yes. cough, cough stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> so what are we talking about this week, darling? We are talking about the ninth Doctor, the man who brought it all back, Christopher Eccleston. Right. Now, I mean, there's so many things to get into. We eat of some people. I'm sure this could be your favorite doctor. Maybe some people you, you don't like him at all. But I think it is an interesting contrast because, like you said, he, I mean, not just him alone, but as the doctor, mm. he brought back Doctor Who. The, you know, it's not a reboot, I guess, because we are not rebooting it, but the reset. I don't know what term we want to use. But then he's also the shortest doctor ever. Yes. On TV. On TV. Because yes. Paul McCann and yes. the War Doctor. Yeah. Yes. I suppose you say the War Doctor, but you all know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And not in stature. The shortest term as the Doctor. Right. And it actually was surprising. I think of it more as series than chronology because things can get messed up with long periods of time between specials. And But chronologically, he was the Doctor for three months. Yeah, I suppose so, in terms of filming time and things like that. But one series, that's how yeah. I label it, which is still short enough. Yeah. And it was sort of a shorter run. It was off the top of my head, so I'm probably wrong. Don't yell at me. I want to say 13 episodes. It was not very many. I did the entire rewatch in a day. Right. So so where do you want to start, darling? Talking about Chris Eccleson and the Ninth Doctor. Well, shall we start with other people's impressions. Oh, sure. We did get some listener feedback, as always. We try to tweet our Doctor Who question on the Nerd Party Twitter account, which is at JoinNerdParty. So if you have any thoughts about the Ninth Doctor or anything else Doctor Who related, feel free to tweet us there. But we did ask folks what their favorite Ninth Doctor moment or characteristic was, and what did we hear, darling? We heard from Damien Haywood at DamienJH, and he said that 
Christopher Eccleston is underrated, and his ability to go from clown to serious in a nanosecond was fantastic. <laughs> See what he did there? <laughs> yes. Uh, and said that Dalek and the Empty Child are great episodes. Well, I agree. And then Cindy Lou Whovian at M-R-E-S-S underscore 1701 said, Everybody lives, Rose, just this once. Everybody lives, which, of course, is a quote from The Empty Child. So uh, they seemed to concur on on their favorite Eccleston moment, perhaps. Sure. And it seems like they're alluding to his personality. So let's talk personality first. He he's, he's very got multi personality. That's all I got. Okay. That's all I know. Um, Sorry, those are the only lyrics you know. It's so sad, darling. We've talked about this. <laughs> yes, my love. <laughs> but I think he is very multifaceted, and whether we're talking Eccleston or Ninth Doctor, we're just going to make it the same person for the <laughs> purposes of discussion. Very multifaceted personality, because as Damien said, I believe, you know, from serious to funny, you know, he can be the clown, he can be the doctor dancing, which is the gif or jif however you want to do it i used um on that tweet and fooling around and you know kissing J captain jack and all those funny things but he can also be the haunted war survivor yes I, and i think there's so much depth in eccleston's performance but i think my favorite thing is that he does always seem to be a little bit haunted um and i, I think it was interesting foresight um, obviously, he knew uh, what his character had done and everything, but I, he didn't know, of course, where it was going to go, because I think his hauntedness is more obvious and more poignant after seeing The War Doctor mm -hmm. and the 50th anniversary. And it's also interesting because... And you've watched it sooner than I have. I think with the Ninth Doctor, he establishes so much. I mean, the writers do, of course. But the Ninth Doctor establishes so much what's happened between, you know, the Paul McGann and the uh, Eighth Doctor. And now, because, of course, we don't know. We, just, we You know, it's just started again. You know, these the so many years later. And, you know, it's not like, hey, there was a time where, I mean, he, I guess there are parts where he does say explicit exposition, but it's all these sort of drip drops. Yes. And establishing yeah, it his character. mostly, I think, the drip drops. You know, the first time he sees the Daleks and, and is so surprised and all of those sorts of things. And I thought that was an interesting episode, Dalek, I believe, that what they were, you know, mm. what our listeners referred to. Because I think it's so easy now, I mean, not a criticism, um, that we, when we see a Dalek, it's always like, all oh, these whole fleet of Daleks, and they always have this devious plan, but that was simply Dalek. Because, of course, this is the first time seeing the quote-unquote new Dalek and the new, yes, new Who, yeah. and so, but just to introduce one and to make that element of the Doctor and his reaction to it. And also to make him pretty sympathetic. I mean, when we see him, he is being chained up and tortured. Mm -hmm. And so there's some sympathy to that. And his relationship, if you can call it that, the Dalek's relationship with Rose, which of course sets the stage for the entirety of that season, but it's still really nice. Mm -hmm. There's some nice moments to it. And then it, the Ninth Doctor, of course, in many ways, is the exposition Doctor, because for Dalek, for instance, you know, odds are, if you're listening to this, you know what a Dalek is, right? You don't need to explain, but 
sort of, you know, I'm going to use reboot, even though it's not really a good term, but for the Doctor Who reboot, you know, that's a, oh, he has to explain the Daleks and he has to yes. give the feeling to the characters because that's the way the story is written. But of course, it's the way to the audience, too, who might be new audience members that this is why you should be afraid. This is what they mean. Yeah. Yeah. And presumably there were a lot of people who had that knowledge. Like I knew what a Dalek was before I ever saw a Doctor Who episode. But there probably there were still a lot of viewers, I'm sure, who didn't. And so bless their hearts. They'd been living under a rock. <laughs> but I think the hauntedness, even in his funny moments, because he, he can be funny. He's It's very subtle sometimes. You know, he's not a slapstick like 11 or the, the rye remarks like 10, but he's, he has this enthusiasm, sort of an adult enthusiasm, yes. you know, cause 11 is more childlike, but, but I think nine can be as, in, you know, happy and as enthusiastic as the other doctors in those moments. But, but there's always that undercurrent. And there's always a distance. Cause yes. I think even, and you can tell me about the nine rows relationship, but even all of his companions, whether it's Captain Jack or Mickey, who he's always making fun of, or Rose, you know, and I don't know how you felt about the quote-unquote romance. And I don't think it's that. You can tell me what you think. But anyway, <laughs> about their relationship. But I think he still always keeps people at a distance, even though he doesn't mind having people around. He's not isolating himself. But And that's sort of, I guess, being the Doctor, the alien, the Time Lord. Yes. And the only one left. Right. Which is what he thinks at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so what'd you think of the Rose Nine relationship? I mean, is 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 there a will they won't they since I haven't watched it recently? As much as you get maybe with ten? No, I don't think as much as you get with ten, but I think there's certainly the undercurrent. The chemistry at least. The chemistry, yeah. And I think he sets it up because really, and I was thinking about this today, I mean you can argue that the tenth doctor and Rose get together because the Dr. Donna ends up over there. But it establishes this will they, won't they a little bit in all of them. In 9, 10, and 11. Not so much with Donna. But even then, this the constant no, we're not together stuff right. still lends itself to, oh, are they protesting too much? <laughs> and the same thing with Amy. You know, Rory is a constant presence, but there's always the, you know, she talks about some, he will come and save me and, and he travels around and he will make things right and he's my husband. You know, there's this buildup of, oh, is she talking about the... Di no, okay. <laughs> you know, there is always this sort of frisson kind of thing. So you would say most of New Who, barring Capaldi, the 12th, yes. is, yeah. it seems to be at least an underlying romance with most of the companions. Yes. Most, and of course. And I think that Not that's Donna, okay, yeah. because there's a huge difference between a romance and... A sexual relationship, yeah. you know, that it, it's love mm -hmm. and it is platonic love, but it's still love. And I think because perhaps we don't see it as much on television in that way mm -hmm. that we automatically think will they or won't they when that's actually not what we're seeing. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it makes one question how the gender dynamics will change with 13. Yes, yeah. Well, and I think it changed, you know, that sort of thing changed some with Capaldi anyway because it was more overt. You know, I think about his relationship with Bill 
And he adored Bill and Bill adored him. And that was so clear. The chemistry between those two actors is so glorious. But because he's older and she's a lesbian, we never question will they or won't they. Mm -hmm. But I suspect if it had been the same actors who happened to be of similar ages or of similar orientations, we would have had that. You know, it is still that same deep affection and love for the companion. And I think that's really nice. And then something I, I thought about today, and I'm sure people have thought about this before, but... I feel like accents can be a minor controversy in Doctor Who. Because, for instance, we make it a point in Rose, episode number one, that... <laughs> you sound like you're from the North. Every planet has some... I can't do it. Don't, do, don't do it. But, it, but I, you know, because I think about, you know, David Tennant was not... I mean, I don't know how forceful this was. Was not allowed to use a Scottish accent. Or didn't. Right. Well, I don't know if it was not allowed or made his own character choice. Right. Then we get with um, 12, he got to use. Who does, yeah. And then there's, of course, 11, who's just very, very posh. <laughs> but then we have him. 13 being with her. Uh... Yes, another northernish West Country is the word I was looking <laughs> for. And so, but, but I think, you know, Chris Eccleson's Chris Eccleson. And, and, and how much do you think, I don't know how much outside of Doctor Who you had Chris Eccleson with. I mean, how much do you see him being himself and how much is him being the Doctor? Because I think in many ways, and maybe it's just for lack of knowledge, every actor seems to get, bring a lot to themselves to the Doctor, mm. especially New Who. But like I think just the ultimate example is always Tom Baker, because Tom Baker is the fourth Doctor. That's just the way he lives and breathes. You know, he, that's who he is. You know, and, and some actors are that who have played the Doctor are, you know, not that way. But I think Chris Eccleson, what, what do you think? It was another thing that I, I was thinking about. And I do also, just to come back to the accents itself, I have said before, and I still believe it, I think that Christopher Eccleston and his accent, as well as Billy Piper and her accent, were specifically chosen. Okay. Because they're more urban mm-hmm. sounding. And so it was an attempt to draw people in, in a way that perhaps someone like even a a gloriously lovely Matt Smith, but with his very posh, you know, correct Queen's English pronunciation, I clearly went to a boys' school, grammar school (laughs) kind of thing, might not have been as relatable to new audiences. Mm -hmm. So I do think it was an intentional choice. In terms of, I, I was thinking about how being the doctor affects what you have later on. You know, I'm thinking, I don't have a huge exposure to Christopher Eccleston, but thinking about all the things we've seen David Tennant in and whether or not his acting has been changed by spending that much time playing the doctor. And maybe that's true of any sort of character. But um, I think that, you know, obviously Christopher Eccleston just had the three months. So so I think that what I see in his doctor that is, to me, very Christopher Eccleston is a highly trained actor. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot. You know, he is someone who has honed his craft and you can see it on the screen. Because I think one thing I like about Nine is is sort of a, a, a few things here, but that for one thing, he, he's so simple in his dress and, you know, mm-hmm. it's just leather jacket, plain tee, 
I don't know if he's wearing jeans or whatever, but you know, it's it's you know, anyone could cosplay as the ninth doctor. You know, shave your head, you're there. Have put on a big nose. But, you know, and that that's it. Which, you know, you compare to sort of the classics, because you know, remember when he came <laughs> All we had were the classics, and so it's not... And you know, the, li- the one we saw right before this was dressed up as a Wild West character yes. throughout the entirety of the film. So, so you know, yeah. there's no question marks on him. There's no umbrella. There's no multicolored coat. There's no... Or celery. Or scarf. You know, it's just very plain. Mm. And so... But what he brings is his own alienness of mm. making him seem like he is a... However old is it at the time? 700-year-old Time Lord or whatever age he is at this point. I think he manages to bring that to yes. that character without yeah. the accoutrements. Yes. And I, again, I think it's a testament to his acting skills is that there is always this just a niggling of otherness, which is really nice. And again, I think the costume was to bring in non- sci-fi people Hmm. you know to make it more mainstream and it was successful i mean that that worked 100 Mm percent so and i would be interested if folks who watched it live what the reaction was you know dr who's comes back after all these years and and knowing nerds and geeks as i do i'm sure there was a lot of like well this is it what's what do they do yeah all the grumbling you've heard me say during Star Trek Discovery. I'm sure that's what people were saying <laughs> during the Ninth Doctor's Well, run. but then you have people like my friend Holly, who was here mm. a month or so ago, and she said she didn't watch it past Christopher Eccleston mm. because Christopher Eccleston was her doctor, oh. and she hasn't been able to... And I found that interesting. She's She's younger, so she would have been sort of a teenager, an early teenager probably, when it... Uh, started up and how that influenced her and she was like nope just that one that's the one (laughs) yeah and i think it's interesting how you know because it's new who that's where i you could suggest people to start you know that's always the question we get where do you start where do you start i always say start 11 but that's sort of maybe my bias and my prejudice of course because you're going to start new who might as well start with nine because that's when Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although we have been telling people now, start with 13. See what happens. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, just wait uh, long again, enough. Because again, it does feel like this whole new iteration. So what do you think... Well, first, something to this, since you've watched this recently, what would you think are the standout episodes of Nine? I really like the um, Empty Child. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably my, my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we get... Captain Jack. I also really like the the last two with the game shows because mm-hmm. that's quite fun as someone who watched all of those shows reality shows you know i had seen the british big brother i had seen the weakest link i had seen the trini and susanna i think that's what they're called the the, the change your clothes okay and and there are so many callbacks you know i think at one point they pat uh pat uh, Captain Jack's bottom, and that was something that the the real people would do all the time, and so I enjoyed that because of the injuries. Ladies, your ratings are about to go up. <laughs> yeah, but I do love the introduction of Jack, and I just think, yeah, the empty child is such a beautiful, and of course the ending. Mm-hmm. You know, just this one. And uh, she gets her son back, her son slash brother slash. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was an interesting story, but a completely normal one at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that uh, shoot, that probably happened for a hundred years. <laughs> you know, 
um, a younger girl would end up pregnant and that's what would happen. The baby would stay in the family and the mother would claim the baby was hers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So I know this is going to be a whole episode, but just briefly, what do you think some things that, you know, as Chris Eggleston is the George Washington Mm. of, of Doctor Who, of course he's not. He's just continuing the tradition. But in the new Who vein... Anything that he established that you that that and I'll you know try to provide the classic perspective, but of course you've been watching it too. I'm not trying to whatever, but that sort of has stayed with us all the way here till as we coming to thirteen here soon. Well, I think again the frisson of what is happening, this this romance of whatever proportions, mm-hmm. definitely. I think that he established a Doctor Who is slightly less quirky. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Matt Smith with his fez and even his bow ties, which I don't necessarily think is a quirk, but you don't have the celery right. or the question marks or things like that. He doesn't, the doctor these days doesn't need that. Just performance is the yeah. quirks, not the accoutrements. Yes. Yeah, you're just enjoying saying accoutrement, aren't you? Why can't I? Why yeah, can't no, I, I mean, you do you. I I think it's great. At the end of the uh, episode, though, I'm going to have to ask you to spell it. Okay, or use it in a play. <laughs> or use it in a play, yes. Now, one of the things about the Ninth Doctor, who, who I I like, I, I'd have to do my list, you know, what are my list of favorite doctors? He's in my top five, maybe. Or at least top seven. Um, but anyway, he's in my top Out first half. Thirteen. Well, seven is not the top half of thirteen, darling. Well, six isn't six the is. top half because it's six thirteen is the top and then be seven yeah. and seven. Okay. Yeah. But I always imagine, like to me, I wish he could have had one more series. Of course, I wish he could have had more than that. But you know, I'm not going to be greedy. But like, just one more. Then two. Or just a Christmas episode. Yeah. I would not have been opposed to seeing him. Just in a Christmas episode. Yeah, because I don't think... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Rose, other than the Christmas invasion... But that was kind of a weird one, because you're introducing a new Doctor. Mm. But Rose really never had a... Well, yeah, I was going to say she never had a Christmas special. Of course, that's a lie. She did. But I guess you know what I'm saying. Just a self-contained adventure. Um, because obviously, yeah. she had a lot to do in Christmas invasion. It was basically 75% yeah. just her. Because yeah, we don't see Tenet until the end. Yeah, he wakes up. But, love him. But it would have been interesting to have a nine-Rose... You know, yeah. you could really bring, you know, because it'd be the whole cast, you know, Captain Jack. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess if, if it had to be, I don't know how you'd have to place it, right? So, you know, where you would, maybe it's, it's because it regenerates at the end of the first season series. So we'd have to really make this up where it yeah. gets placed. But I, would, anyway. I would love to have Captain Jack in a Christmas episode as yeah. well. So it'd be nine, Captain Jack, Rose, you know, maybe Mickey too, and then... I don't know who your your special guest star would be playing. Mickey but, Ricky. Yeah. You keep calling him Mickey. That's not his name. <laughs> mm, who would the special guest star be? That's an interesting question. But it would have been interesting because season one or series one, which I'm going to call it for new who purposes, you know, there's no necessarily an arc. I mean, Bad Wolf, yes, there. Bad Wolf mm. is the arc, but there's not. That's it. It's a running. Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily call it. A, arc as much as i would call that a thread yeah so but it would have been interesting of a second series which may, might have had maybe more of a 
arc, what yeah. they could have done. Well, and like I've said, I'm not as crazy about the arcs. Mm-hmm. Again, because as I'm watching it, I'm doing a thousand other things. So right. I don't necessarily want to have to hold on to <laughs> little snippets of information that are going to be important later. Because it would have been interesting to just see him have more time as the Doctor and maybe see whatever their mm. relationships or growth. Because I think we have, for the most part, I'm thinking as I say this, seen our doctors grow over time. Yes, and perhaps, yeah, I would agree that we don't necessarily get that with him. Of course, it would have been, I mean, not to hang, keep hanging around on this, to have him be in the 50th. Because, in other words, the hauntedness, which is him mm. having that not that he didn't confront it in episodes, but to have a real confrontation. To have to come face to face with the man who is the reason behind his haunting. Right. You know, in, in the War Doctor. That would have been a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'm less angry with Eccleston about it than I used to be. But I still do think it's a shame. I'd love to to have him back at some point. Mm-hmm. What what uh, classic characters would he you have liked to have seen him with? You know, how would he have been with Sarah Jane, or what what callbacks uh, could he have done? You know, I don't know if Sarah Jane would have had any use for him mm-hmm. because there's such lovely affection between Sarah Jane and the Tenth Doctor, just mm-hmm. so gorgeous that I just love so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would he have gotten along with K nine? <laughs> no, he would not have had any use for K nine. Uh, K9 and Ricky would have been off in a corner somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just something to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting question. I'll have to mull it over. As we go through the classics, maybe think of an old companion that would have been interesting to see him come back to. Oh, he would have been so annoyed by the girl who cried all the time. The girl who was always upset. And they, she got thrown in the ocean in the open. Perry. Perry, yeah. That he would have, that, that would not have gone down well. <laughs> Well, with that, darling, any closing thoughts on Chris Eccleston and Nine? I'm glad that we did this, because I'm glad I got a chance to go back and look at the episodes. Um, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, because when I started my rewatch, I started with Ten. I sort of skipped him over. And so it was nice to, to go back to him. And it's interesting how much in that first series, Ten would revisit Yes. So Cassandra. Yeah. Uh huh. The face of Bo is right. in the first episode. Even the tree people mm-hmm. that I assume are the same tree people that the eleventh Doctor has in his Christmas special. Okay. I assume. Okay. I don't know. I haven't done my nine rewatches recently. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're worth looking back at that episode and seeing mm-hmm. if you agree. Yeah. All right. Right. Shall we jump into the TARDIS library, my love? Yes, we are going to be talking about the Terror of the Vervoids, which, parenthetically, could also be known as episodes, as off the top of my head, so I'm going to get it wrong, I'm not even going to try it, also known as the third serial in the Trial of a Time Lord series of the Sixth Doctor, the 
last series of The Sixth Doctor, and this aired November 1st, 1986. And a brief synopsis from TARDIS.Wikia is that the Time Lords have brought the Doctor to trial, accusing him of gross interference in the affairs of other planets. If he is found guilty, he must forfeit all of his remaining regenerations. In the hope of proving his innocence, Melanie Bush, an as-of-yet-unmet companion from later in his life, is summoned to the court. Hopefully, through her help, the jurors will be reassured in letting the doctor go free by seeing what good acts he stands to commit as opposed to destructive ones. In his defense, the doctor tells of an adventure set on board the Hyperion 3 space liner in his future. Answering a distress call, the doctor and Mel arrive in the liner just as a series of grisly murders begins. So, we're talking about this because it's the introduction of the companion Mel, and I thought this sort of tied into our Knife Doctor discussion because I remember hearing a presentation once, and I wish I could remember the name of the gentleman because he goes around giving this this sort of talk a lot about Doctor Who and how it relates to him and growing up and his son and his children. But anyway, uh, he talked about when Doctor, or you know, when the Ninth Doctor and the, the reboot came along. He's like, "All right, Doctor Who's back," and who's the companion? <laughs> The singer, the teen singer, is that the one hit wonder? Exactly, yeah. and so I think with uh, Mel, I think some people had that reaction, like the dancer, the 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 wee little teenager coming off Peter Pan. She's the new companion. So, what did you think of the introduction of Mel? Yeah, it's very abrupt because we are starting. Because the Doctor, as part of his testimony, is showing the future. And so when it starts, he and Mel are already into their adventure. So we don't get any sort of introduction to her. We don't get any sort of, hey, what do you think of time travel? What? There's time travel? It's bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. (laughs) Yeah, we completely miss all of that. We just start straight in with this comfortable companion. So that was a little bit interesting right and of course you know same thing viewers got you're not getting anything that yeah no absolutely but i'm just saying that's that's may have maybe set her up for failure maybe a little bit that you know at least you can ease into it just like nope she's the companion now but we've never nope that's it yep doctor loves her you're gonna have to too (laughs) yeah yeah there is some of that also she screams a lot there was a lot of screaming in this it's true i'm afraid companions do do that from time to time oh all the screaming it wasn't even just her everybody screamed (laughs) everybody screamed in this serial now i'll admit i have to go on record i really do not like the sixth doctor he is probably my least favorite doctor of all time so that said she does bring a good personality and energy because she's very enthusiastic maybe too much so and i think maybe that's a reason some people don't like her but i mean she you know, is up for the challenge. She knows to how to maintain the doctor mm-hmm. when he's being his kind of jackassy self. But she takes it all in stride. Oh, it's just you. Oh, you know, kind of the way some people will deal with 12 sometimes. You yes, know, both, yeah. both Clara and, and Bill. You're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But so I, I thought she, she, she definitely held her own despite the screaming. Yes. And interestingly enough, she also reminds me a little bit of Bradley Walsh, who is one of the upcoming companions for 13, in that I know exactly who she is. I know who she is. I don't know why I know who she is. And when I went back and looked at all of the things that she's done, and she's done a lot of things, 
I still don't know why I know who she is. And it's exactly the same with Bradley Walsh. They are just ubiquitous British celebrities. And of course, this is Bonnie Langford who we're talking about. Yes. I believe not too recently she was on whatever the British version of Dancing with the Stars, but with Ice. Oh, yeah. No, Dancing on Ice. Yeah. Who she was on with John Berriman. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I didn't I didn't watch that. I didn't watch Dancing on Ice. Mm-hmm. I didn't there she did lots of different things. None of those things I watched. She is just one of those ubiquitous British personalities, entertainers, yeah. entertainers like Bradley Walsh that everybody knows. And I, <laughs> I don't know why. And she was of course very young when she started here in Doctor Who. I don't know how young, but you know, if not twenties, if not maybe yeah. Yeah. Like I said, coming off, I think, West End Peter Pan, or at least just Peter Pan in general. I think she was just getting ready to go on to, I think, after her time. With, mm-hmm. I think that's what I read. Yes, because she will stay with the seventh Doctor. Okay. So, spoilers on that one. But anyway, and so, uh, and yeah, so, but I thought she was interesting. I, again, from it's hard to go back in time and, and see what people thought at the time. So, you know, if you, if you were watching classic who at the time to, to tell us what you thought about mel yeah um, i liked her I mean, mm-hmm. she's she's peppy and maybe a little bit over the top and the screaming i could have done without but she's plucky by golly making the, plucky. making the doctor exercise yes yeah and eat his carrot juice yeah she's she's cute she's cute so darling what are we going to talk about next week well we are actually going to do our first interview here on this show um, we mentioned it maybe last week or the week before, but Gallifrey One recently happened, a big Doctor Who convention here in the United States, and though I'm sure people from all over the world attended, and we were going to talk to one of those people who attended, so she can tell us a little bit more about the Doctor Who convention experience, because I know there were a lot of doctors and companions and other people from the past 50 years there um, at the con, and so we can get a little highlight of what happened there. Yes, and and maybe touch a little bit on our own convention or our couple's convention experiences. Well, until then, darling, you're my favorite unconventional person in all of time and space. (laughs) Thank you, baby. Wordplay. This is BBC Television.